right, America, your long period of mourning is over. Father Dan Leary is back in the house. Father Dan, it is awesome to see you. America's been scratching their head. Where's Father Dan? Where, where are you? Well, Kevin, I think I got shelled because the ratings weren't the best, but we'll do our best <laughs> this time. You usually don't shell the first, uh, the, the starting quarterback unless the stats are terrible. Uh, right now I'm in Guatemala. I'm in Girlstown. I'm giving a retreat to the sisters. I got two retreat, two weeks of retreats, 10 talks on the five days and tons of confessions. And I'm running back and forth to the um, to hear confessions for the girls in girls time is I think there's 1300 1400 so we're gonna dig into them right now and and try to hear some great confessions oh that's that's great I, so father Dan in your absence I've been telling the folks that you with COVID lifting you're you're gonna spend a lot more time traveling it's, it's actually a beautiful thing so so you're in Guatemala and I'm just gonna ask you we haven't really had a chance to talk because you've been you've been hitting it so hard uh, you, you've been off the grid with the girls with the sisters is Guatemala pretty similar to, to Mexico or, or other countries? Uh, I'm here three days. Well, four actually gave a couple's retreat on Sunday, arrived on Saturday, gave a couple's retreat, and then dove into the retreat and started hearing confessions. So I've logged this week, maybe just so far, probably about 15 hours of confessions. And unfortunately, the statistics are the same. A lot of trauma, a lot of abuse, a lot of abandonment and, uh, so thanks be to God, I'm starting with the oldest girls and working my way down. I gave them a talk on healing, and now they're starting to cough up the, the stuff they've never coughed up. You know, the phrase is, when I was seven, when I was eight, you know, it's sometimes I hope that I don't hear what I'm going to hear, but I'm also incredibly grateful that they cough it up because then they can start the healing process when they bring everything out and they understand their reactions to that moment that changed their lives. You're like a detective that's always brought into the murder scene. And the, the detective, he can't raise the dead body from the <laughs> from the earth, but but you need to take these sort of dead in souls and just say, hey, I gotta do I come on, trust father here. I, I gotta I gotta work with you. And does that does that, I'm just gonna ask you, does that ever get become too heavy a burden for you to even take or or how do you deal with it. Well, thank God I, I have a real virtue of hope and that's really been alive in me before I got down here. And I think what I see now is every every Good Friday has an Easter Sunday and I'm just trying to reveal the Easter Sunday to these kids and saying, okay, it happened. It's not going to happen again. You're not going to go back and be eight, nine, six. We're moving forward. Let's cough everything up and let's understand why we're reacting the way we're acting. Why are you screaming at mother, sister? Why do you not trust anybody? Why are you afraid of this and that? So it's very profound. Uh, it doesn't weigh me down. I think what is weighing me down is the burden of knowing I may not get to all the girls who are starting to feel incredibly comfortable because they got this sort of this loser walking around who half knows Spanish and they think I'm a chocolate addict because I told them no blessing unless you give me chocolate. So <laughs> I've got them like attacking me. Father, here's a key. Here's chocolate. Give me a blessing. So it's really this dynamic that I don't know if I'm leading them to Christ, but I'm sure trying. <laughs> well, Father, you're doing a good job. We all know it. Thanks, so, man. Father, you don't you don't know this, but in your absence, uh, we've had some some guests 
that have it's big news up here. I don't know if you know, but but um, but Ignatius on Monday is officially going to release Priest and Beggar. We're finally here. So All right, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I, I know we're finally here. So so we so the past three weeks. We've had in a real weak bishop, this bishop from Texas named Bishop Joseph Strickland, just weak. We had this dummy theologian, Dr. Janet Smith. And then we had uh, Dr. Jonathan, our father, Jonathan Meyer from Indiana. Just he sleeps all day long. They read Priest and Beggar. Have you even read the book? Have you been able to get a manuscript? Yeah, Wells. What do you think? I'm, I'm giving my life to follow Christ and help this guy. So even though you wrote it, I read it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, man. It's a great book, man. Like, Wells, let's get that thing into seminaries. Let's get that to my brothers because I think that's a profound message. I mean, I'm not in Mexico just to serve the sisters. I believe in Father Al. I believe the life he lived. I think that dog should be in every seminary. I, I don't know when ordinations are. I know they come up around June. It's And I would just say it's a great gift for the ordinandi. It's a great gift for the priest to vest the ordinandi. It's a great gift for the priest who preaches at the first mass. Like Schwartz was amazing. And you unpacked some things. You know, I read this, I'm reading all this stuff, but the way you connected things was really helpful for me. So I took credit for some of the stuff you said. Thank you. Thank you, Father. <laughs> I'm back Father, to cheating. <laughs> You'll get some of the royalties, Father. We'll get you some chocolate. So I, I just got an invitation. I'm so glad you, I'm, I'm very, I'm thrilled you just brought up the seminary. I just got an invitation from San Francisco, Archbishop Corleone. I don't know if you know him. He's, he's invited me out in July to speak to the seminarians. And, and, and really, where else would I want to introduce Father Al than in seminaries? I mean, where else do you want to be? Look, I, I have pretty strong feelings. I think that I wish I had known Schwartz's life stronger. Thank God it influenced me. I read Poverty and and, and the Poverty Sign of the Times and The Starved and the Silent when I was a seminarian. So it had a significantly profound impact on my life. And in, in effect, it then had an impact on the people I served. The manner I lived, the choices I made were really deeply influenced by what I read of Schwartz. Really, I look back with you know, the three significant people in my life Mother Teresa and, and the MCs, Father Al and these sisters. And then, of course, you know, my understanding of Pope John Paul, be that as it may, my priesthood is what it is because particularly of Father Al. So I think that you did a tremendous job unpacking his life and you did a job, great job connecting the points. He was he was strong. He was courageous. I think he is a voice for the current situation in the church and he's a model for the church when i don't know i'm up to my eyeballs and confessions and adorations and just opportunities and i've only and, and i think to myself what, what i need help i need tons of priests coming down with with priestly hearts like saint john Vianney, like father i'll say yeah i'll give you eight hours in the confessional give me eight i'll take more but you got to dive in and you're going to help change them. So Father Al is, is hugely important right now. These girls' sins are helping to bring healing to Mother Church. Every time one of those girls walks into the box, she is helping to heal Mother Church. There's no doubt in my mind. No doubt. Yeah, that's it's beautiful to connect that. Oh, I, um, 
I, I think about uh, Father Al, and I think about like if I'm in a Barnes and Noble and I'm browsing the Christian aisle and I see the spine of a book that says priest and beggar, the heroic life of venerable Aloysius Schwartz by this clown named Wells. Why, why would the reader pick the book up and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to read this book. I, I, I should read this book, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know who this guy Schwartz is. What would you encourage the reader about his life and why it's relevant to their own lives? Well, Look, it's it's a it's a life for lay people as well because what he's actually done is he's been pretty effective in showing that the the priesthood that he was called to the ministerial priesthood also is connected to the domestic priesthood of every man or woman in 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 their home. Father Al talked about serving the poor, devotion to Mary in the Eucharist. Like I think that we easily dismiss and we say that life is not relatable to me. But at some point, you have to make the decision that his life is relatable. And you have to educate yourself on how is this priest who gave everything to the girls and to the boys, how is that any different than a father doing the same thing in his house? And I think that sometimes people are like, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's very simple. A generous father in his domestic church inspires me in my priesthood. A generous mother. I get it. A, 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 a lay woman who is serving in mother church helps inspire me to go to the hospital. So the book is applicable because also it's miraculous, the work he's doing. You have to understand, and I speak to you and the readers, there's 15 of these joints throughout the world. There's 20,000 kids, right? It's amazing. It's, the work is incredible. It's life-changing. And you're, you, you, know, you unpack it. So if no other reason, maybe to just have some pride in Mother Church and be like, this guy's doing it, man. Schwartz did it. And I want to be proud of my church. I mean, there's many reasons, but that's one of them. Thanks. Father, when, you, when, you, um, when you're walking on the grounds and, and all of a sudden Schwartz comes to mind, you start thinking about him. Do you, who, who comes to mind? Is it John Vianney? Is it Damien the Leper? Is it Therese of Lisieux? Is it one of the Carmelite mystics? Who, who do you think? It's probably un, an unfair question to ask you, but but. Who do you think that that Venerable Al really wanted to set the bar for his priesthood? Who did he want to most be like other than Christ, the starved man from the cross? And we know that he gave his priesthood to Mary. Who was a who was a saint that you sort of see him most like? Well, there's two points to that. First is when I walk across campus, usually it's coming out of the confessional. And sometimes I'm screaming at Schwartz saying, why did you get me into this? And other times I'm grateful. I just left the box after like an hour and a half. It was some rotten stuff that I heard. So I'm not always whistling to Father Al. I'm sometimes I'm saying you lousy scoundrel. But then at the same time, I'm saying, thanks, man. Thanks, you invigorated my priesthood. It was, it's obviously St. John Vianney because, you know, he would sit in the box for hours, run out, get a, get a cheese sandwich and run back in. And so... That was his idea of the priesthood. Everything was a choice for Father Al. It's so categorically simple. Make a choice for the poor. Make a choice for the suffering. And that's what I'm trying to do in my priesthood right now. And I think that's why his life is so profound for us as American Catholics to understand who is making the choice and how are they making the choice. And we can't I mean, I'm sorry, but we can't settle for mediocrity. 
if they're not making the choice, then let it be known. I, I, I just don't, the American Catholic has to have courage. I'm not just saying the Americans, but every Catholic has to fight for Mother Church and not just convenience or comfort. That stuff's dead. Yep. Yeah. So, Father, I want to put you on the spot to make sure you did. In what fact, do you mean? Like you, haven't, <laughs> like you haven't done it before, Wells? Yeah. yeah, well, we're going back to the drawing board. So speaking of what you just said, do you recall the, the one word that Father Al said he wrote in his journals about his aunt, Sister Malfreda, way back when he was a 13-year-old boy about the way she – she was a holy, holy nun. She, she lived in the middle of an all-black community in Anacostia in the slums, and he saw something, and he said, she is a – Yeah, well, Schwartz said it clearly, a phony. And phony. He, yeah, he spoke very clearly about that. And I think that, you know, when he wrote about it, and I just read another little one of his booklets, he went in there and said, everything was clean, everything was nice, the, the cookies tasted better somehow, he said but it didn't seem consistent with the people that they were living near. And that's why he called it a phony. And, you know, Schwartz called stuff like he called it, man. I mean, he didn't. And I have to tell you, I, I admire that. And I think sometimes he regrets the word, but he doesn't regret the intention. But I think he spoke clearly what he said. He said it about the Carmelites when they built this fancy uh, Carmel in Cardia. And he called it out based on the cost per square foot. I mean, this guy knew nothing about that stuff, but he called it out. So, you know, I, I think that when we examine it, we have to look deeper and say, yeah, we're all sinners. But just because we're sinners is not the excuse to not sacrifice and try. Yeah. And, and Father, I think about that word phony that he uses and, 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 the, and the enormity of the problems that we have in the church today. Uh, really in the culture society, but we'll just we'll just talk about the church um, and rectories, chanceries, and the church itself. And and I feel, and this might be unfair, but I feel like you go back to Matthew 7, where I think it's Matthew 7, where Jesus says, I did not even know you. So you so so these so these Mary Nollers or Carmelites or Sister Mafrida or whomever can live an entire priesthood and one day die and say, I gave you my life. And Jesus saying, and I think about this for myself, one day Jesus looking at me, judging me and saying, I didn't even know you. And I think, and I think of myself, oh, I love my wife well enough and my kids well enough. And I, and I did my best in my job. And Christ saying, no, I don't know. Get out, I don't know who you are. So I think Father Al identified the phoniness. And he said, I cannot be a phony. And that's when he said, I need to be Damien the leper. I need to be John Vianney who gives all. I, so I'm going to ask you, and I'll put you on the spot. Is that one of the big problems we have today is people are living these lives, these vocations, and they're phony and to a certain degree without even knowing it? Well, yes, it's possible. I think that's a great point. I think that we make the choice to close our eyes. And we make the choice to live in a manner that does not challenge people. Let me give you an example. This is a classic example. So Schwartz was in Korea. He's got a couple of hospitals. He's got Boys Town Roland. 
and somebody says to him, hey, you want another hospital? I mean, the, the way they would dump kids on him and the poor and the older people. And he talked to some Korean priests and the Korean priest said, don't take on another project. It's not right for your successor. Now, that's the culture that cr cripples everybody. And he said, what are you talking about? Like, I'll, if, you don't, if he doesn't want to do the work, it's just a choice. Like Schwartz would say, it's a choice. I totally agree. I can't tell you how many times, like, be careful, Father Dan, for your successor. That's not my responsibility. I was a marginal student in the seminary. There are many guys way smarter than me. But it's a choice. It's always a choice. And I think that the way we cripple initiative and cripple the mission is we're so concerned about fraternal charity that it takes a backseat to saving souls. So don't offer daily confessions because, well, other people are going to have to. Other parishes are going to feel like it's an obligation. It's not an obligation. Your people are suffering. Your children are suffering. It's your choice. I mean, I, I can't take on that guilt because I'm doing it in the box. So I can't take on an emotional guilt that doesn't seek a solution. I can take it on in the box because that's seeking healing. But somebody that says, Father Dan, don't hear extra, don't hear extra confessions. And why are you doing extra masses? Because my people are hungry. It's very simple. I told the people all the time in my parishes. So is it a is it burdening? It used to be burdening. I used to care what brother priests would do. I had to stop it because it took up too much noise in my head. And when I would articulate this virtue of charity, it seemed like I was judging them. I wasn't judging. I was serving my people. But they would say, well, why are you serving and why? Because I don't have time to listen to that. My mission is to make my people holy. I don't care about anything else. You don't want to serve. That's your choice, man. You want to yeah, not serve. I don't care. Father, I think I remember you telling me a long time ago, back when you were in the States, that you were invited either in seminary or when you were newly ordained priest for vacation. You went to the beach a couple a couple times, like one summer or two summers. And there was nothing bad about you went with with brother priest. There was nothing bad about it, but you but you certainly you, you certain felt a certain um, unease or um, you know watching TV or yeah. playing golf or whatever, and. It, and and something came to you then where that's okay. I'm not, I don't judge anyone, but I'm called for more. It, 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 can you speak to that? Yeah. I just felt at the end of the vacation, I was more tired than I was energized. And I felt that I didn't understand why. And after another time, I realized that's just not what God wants for me. So every time I would, I mean, go somewhere, I'd set up a chapel and have adoration. And I think, you know, it's been the time in prayer because that's what renewed me. Um, I think that was the grace. So is that, have you, have we just identified one of the major problems in the priesthood today is priests don't know any better. Like, like maybe there's that fleeting thought. I don't feel right. I'm more tired because I'm golf and I'm watching TV. That's just, we're talking sports all day long. Again, nothing bad, but just because the other guys do it and they're, and they're, they're hearing one hour confessions a week and one daily mass a day and whatever because all the other guys are doing it and the bishop doesn't say anything to me. So I'm just going to keep doing it. It's just, they're just sort of following the same blueprint. Maybe the well, blueprint no. again. 
I, I disagree. I think people would talk about it to their pastors and say things like, Father, can we have daily confessions? Can we have extra masses? They would, I would speak to the people, where are you from? Oh, I'm from this parish. They'd say, well, ask your pastor to hear confessions. He's really busy. I would say, well, what do you think I am? You know, I, I didn't care where they came from, but I also felt that my people deserved a right to go to confession, not to this clown, but to go to somebody else. When they were fired up at me, they couldn't go anywhere during the week. So I had a problem with my people suffering from that, which yeah. in effect was a grace because the people would trust me and they would realize, yeah, I was in the trench with them. So do they know, Kevin? They know it's a yeah. choice. I mean, yeah. we can't turn a blind eye. So I'm with I'm with you, Father. So a, a few more, and we'll let you cut out because I know you're you're very busy down there. A big thing's going on now in America, where where folks after COVID they've seen sort of the litmus test of how their pastor sort of um, offered himself during COVID, and and some weren't very happy. So they've left their parishes after 10, 20, 30 years. My dad just did it after 60 years last month. 60 years he was at the same parish. He said, I'm cutting cord. I saw the way this pastor behaved. He's not a father. I, I tend to think that now what I'm seeing is folks are flooding to who they see as spiritual fathers. Some people are driving an hour away. Some people, so they're leaving parish communities. They're leaving, you know, they've built up men's groups, et cetera, but they're, they're leaving and they're seeking a spiritual father. Is this the right path for these days? I, I don't know. I I know what I would do in the parish. I would offer more opportunities in the in the confessional, more adorations, opportunities for adoration inside, outside. I would crank up that outside thing again. No doubt in my mind, I would I would make it so that everybody, no matter where they were emotionally, they could come to the encounter and get them back in the confession, back back to the sacramental life. And I would offer more daily masses. That would be the only answer. I would hope that they would appreciate that. And in effect, then they would respond. Um, but I, I, I think that now is the time to understand there's been a real break for a year with COVID. There weren't a ton of meetings. So now is the time to jazz up the game and step up even more is how I would feel. Well, we'll see. Just two days ago, they lifted, finally lifted dispensation along the eastern seaboard, Baltimore, D.C., Virginia, all over. So we'll see what happens. But I do think the litmus test was how did my pastor behave during COVID? Well, and, I, um, I, I understand. I, Kevin, I, I don't know. I don't know how if I were there. I would probably say to my folks, if I served you, donate. If I didn't serve you, don't donate. I would, I would have to be that transparent. If you felt, you know, my holy hours, I would call. If you felt, because the idea of the parish as the center of the school of prayer, as the gathering place, that doesn't exist really much. Certain parishes are like that, but most it's just a drive-by Sunday obligation. Okay. And I just couldn't imagine saying to my folks, Hey, dummy up some more ducats when I didn't go to the mat for them. It was always that way in my priesthood, give more and then God will take care of that. That's the only way, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's why, that's why this guy right here, 
was able to raise tens of millions of dollars is because folks knew that he was a the slaughtered lamb who gave everything to the least of these. So really, it's just it, the, the symmetry is there. You give, God returns. Totally. You don't give, not much is going to come your way. Well, Schwartz, so, did, Schwartz was amazing because he would just dive into taking projects on and then he would write, I don't know if I have the money or the personnel. <laughs> he, yeah. would just take, he would take on a hospital. Like folks, imagine taking on a 150 bed hospital and having no doctors, but then, you know, five religious sisters can get in there, clean it, paint it. They get violent. They get, they pay people, they hire people, the poor, they paint. Next thing you know, it's open and he's got tons of people coming in. You, you take on a school. There's a, there's a garbage dump where, at the bottom of the garbage dump, there are these army-like barracks where the poor children, street children are living in Korea. And you hear about it and you say, I'll take those kids. I'll take all of them. And you change their lives because there they're getting beaten and abused and cigarettes are put out on them. And he said, yeah, but I don't have the room yet, but I'm building a, a building. But it's amazing. You, Father, you put the ball in the tee for me. Not only did he do that, but he did it all the while, while the biggest mafia kingpin in Southern Korea wanted to kill him, yeah. was after him. And gangs of lepers were rubbing their diseased limbs up against the sisters to try and scare them. But Father Al and the sister said, no, we're not going anywhere. Well, no, we want the kids. Well, let me drop this ball on you because he wrote this. He said, so I countered that, he said, by bringing the TB people out there, the people with the tuberculosis, and they were hocking loogies on the, on the others. And so it was this battle where people would drop a goober. It was amazing. I mean, he had courage. He's like, I'm saving these kids. All you people with TB, let's go. <laughs> they edited that part out of my book, Father. I thought that was the best part. They took that out. I love that part, dude. I love the fact that he told the TBI, get a big goober and launch it. And anybody that comes at you, especially Big Daddy Kim, put one on him. That'll chase him away. <laughs> he was about souls, man. I love the guy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, Father, that, that's it. Thank. So, I think you endorsed the book somewhere in there. I. Um, so, yeah. So, so for, for you one-to-one uh, -one viewers, again, your long period of mourning is over. Father Dan's back in the house. Very busy. It's good to see him again. Uh, so again, Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of Venerable Al Schwartz is now out. You go to Ignatius.com, BarnesandNobles.com, PriestandBeggar.com. Amazon has it. Um, as, as Father Dan said, it, it is a story of an American hero. Uh, we, American heroes have sort of gone from view. We don't know. We don't see them anymore. We don't see them anywhere. He is an American hero. Even if you're not Catholic, even if you're not a Christian, See what a hero does. See how they behave. See what they see how they act, and what is the consequence? Hundreds of thousands are saved because look, of it. Look, if people are listening this long, God bless them. But yeah, I mean, he stopped human trafficking too. I mean, that's a whole topic we should get into sometimes. How Schwartz fought human trafficking by saving the girls, particularly. Bingo. Totally. That's it, Father. Father, can you lead us out in a blessing? And may the Lord bless you, protect you, give you peace, and the Holy Spirit come upon you, folks, and give you joy and love. And may Almighty God bless you, folks, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you guys.